Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we have, for the last couple of weeks, been looking at um, this great fish story of Jonah. And today we're going to wrap it up. And I promise that is the last pun for this whole series, okay? Um, but we are wrapping it up. Um, and, and it's an incredible story. And, and we said a couple, the last couple of weeks, for some people it's a little tough to... I said I wouldn't do this, but it's a little tough to swallow. Um, but God has this way of doing incredible things and performing miracles, which is what we very much believe in. Um, and so uh, this story, the first week we talked about how you can run from God, but you can't hide. And that's a good thing, um, that he will constantly pursue us with his love. He will never give up on us, no matter how we may have given up on him. He constantly pursues us. His grace and his mercy and love does not give up on us. It's a good thing that we might be able to run, but we cannot hide. And then last week we looked at Jonah and his, his prayer inside the belly of the fish when he had basically nothing else to do and nothing else to call on but to pray. And um, how we learned that God's discipline is also very, very thorough. He is relentless in his grace, but he's also very thorough in his discipline as well. And that too is a good thing. And so um, when we last saw our hero um, in Chapter 2, verse 10, it says, The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Doesn't this sound a little bit graphic to you? I mean, you know, couldn't there be a churchier word, a less, you know... This is, this is a really good story for, like, middle schoolers, because they just love that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but as we said, and, and it's actually... What the writer is doing is he's really kind of hitting us over the head. You know, just hitting us right between the eyes, because uh, this is a really important thing that he's gonna, about to unveil. So um, Jonah's been you know, coughed up, vomited up. He's on the seashore with all the other stuff that came out of the fish. And, um, and the word of the Lord comes a second time. That's where we pick up the story. So if you want to follow along, um, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Isn't that a great ending to the story? You know, it's just Jonah's disobedient, but he learns his lesson. God gives him a second chance, and we love second chances. And he goes to Nineveh, and he proclaims this message, and the whole city repents. Everybody repents. And it just ought to end right there, shouldn't it? I mean, it's just like, you know, nice box, put a ribbon on it, and tie it up with a bow, and they all live happily ever after. Perfect. What, what, what's not to like? It's, the story is resolved. The story is complete. Except it's not. There's one more chapter. 
And this chapter is probably the most important. The rest is just kind of setting up what God's about to do. Because Jonah has some things still to learn. We talked about that this, this story is really not a story about Jonah. It's really a story of God. God in his grace. And, and, and Jonah is, is so appreciative and so grateful for the grace God has shown to him now by rescuing him and, and getting him back safely to shore and even giving him a second chance. But there's some things about grace that Jonah still has to learn. And these are the things that make us all just a little bit uncomfortable. And as we go through them, you'll probably, you'll probably discover, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Because we love grace. We love the fact of, of knowing that there's nothing that I can do and nothing that I could possibly do to, to force me away from God's grace nor bring me any closer to it. That his grace is just his grace and his love is never ending and he always forgives and he always restores. He's a God of second chances and third and tenth and two thousandth chances. And we love that. But there's some aspects of grace that make us all just a little bit uncomfortable. And they made Jonah uncomfortable. But there were some things that he really needed to learn. The first one lesson that he had to learn is this, that God's grace can prevail in spite of us, in spite of our indifference. Jonah's given a second chance. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now, does that sound vaguely familiar? That wording, okay, you, that wording came up back in chapter one, the first time when God called Jonah. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim. This, same thing, God hasn't changed his mind. And, and this is one of those things that makes us a little bit uncomfortable because God forgives, God restores, and I'm all brand new. And, and then it's like, yeah, but I still want you to obey. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, God, isn't he? I mean, your grace forgives and, and, and you've restored me and you've rescued me and that's all good stuff. Yeah, but I still want you to obey. And so we love those second chances. We love that aspect. We love that God keeps forgiving and keeps restoring. He keeps giving us those second, third, fourth, fifth chances. But what he always still wants from us is our obedience. And and here's the thing. that it, It says, actually, that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh, which is where we ought to really just stop and take a moment and give him a round of applause. Because this is the first time in the whole story that he's actually obeyed God. The rest of the story, he's been running away. He's been doing his own thing. He's been making his own choices. He's been trying to figure out a better way, a safer way, a more secure way to live his life, running from God. And now for the very first time, he stops and obeys. And that's a good thing. And here's the thing I want, I want to kind of take away from that is, you might feel like you fail all the time. You might have a struggle with an addiction or compulsive behavior and you just keep giving into it and, and you need those second and you need those third chances. But every once in a while, you will, you will hit it right. You will stand strong. From time to time, you will be called upon by God to forgive and you just can't do it. You can't let go. You can't let, let go of the grudge and you don't want to forgive. But every once in a while, you will. You will do the right thing and you will obey God and that's a good thing because anytime you obey God, no matter how many times you have failed, it is a good thing. And I know in this room that all of us have failed. We've probably failed more times than we have succeeded. But one of the lessons of Jonah is there's always that second, third chances and every time you do right, it's a good thing. Your obedience does matter. That you're never pushed aside you're always given that second chances. And when you do it, your obedience matters to God. Because what happens is, actually, he has great success. Um, he, he moves forward and he goes into the city. And he starts making this proclamation 
that God made. He's not comfortable about it. In fact, in many ways, what, what, what we learned from Jonah, which is a lot like the, a lot of us, there's a big difference between obedience and obedience. Do you know what I mean? My daughter, um, when she was like in her twos, three years old, somewhere along there, um, we had this um, high chair. You know, we didn't have these fancy things they have now. It was just this big old wooden high chair with no seatbelt or anything. It was just, you know, a flop down top thing. And, um, and we had this, the hardest time when she got to the edge where she could stand up because she would stand up in her high chair. And we would always tell her, Aaron, sit down, sit down. And she'd keep standing back up and we'd sit her down, you know, pull the legs out gently and get her seated down. But, you know, there was no seatbelt to keep her in. And so um, two minutes later, she's standing back up again. And we keep saying to her, Aaron, sit down. It's dangerous. Sit down. And she would keep standing up in her high chair to the point where she knew the drill. She would stand up in her high chair and she would say, sit down, sit down. She knew what we wanted to do. She was just unwilling to do it. So we finally resorted to, we got her down into her seat and, and got a, a dish towel and, and actually tied her down so she had to sit down. And I remember one day she just said, I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> There's a little bit of Jonah in every one of us. Jonah's obeying God now, okay? But he's, his heart's not in it. He obeys, but not fully. In fact, he goes, if you, if you read through the story, he only goes a third of the way into the city. Just one third of the way, walking through the streets. And, and his message is just so lackluster. I mean, it's eight words. Shortest sentence, shortest sermon you'll ever hear, especially this morning. And, and he just makes this just like half-hearted attempt at obedience to God. And what happens is the whole city turns around. In fact, the whole city repents in sackcloth and ashes. They, 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 in fact, the king himself, when the king hears the decree, and he doesn't even hear it from Jonah, he gets word of it later, but, but he hears about it. He takes off all of his royal robes, all that splendor. He puts on this old gunny sack kind of a thing, sits down in the ashes in repentance. Just, we've been so wrong. We've been so out of touch with God. We've got things so backwards. And in fact, not just him, he declares a city-wide repentance, a fast and sackcloth and ashes, the whole thing. In fact, it goes on, he says, he says, this is the decree, let people and animals, let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. The whole city repents, even the animals, even the cats. (laughs) And anybody here who's a cat owner knows Cats don't repent for anything, <laughs> ever. But, but he's got, even the animals are repenting. I mean, Jonah is a success. He's, he hasn't even gone all the way through the city, and he's just barely gotten the words out, and as minimally as he can, you know, his heart's not in the whole thing. But God works in spite of him, and the whole city repents. The whole city. I mean, Jonah is such, there is no prophet in all of Israel's history that has this kind of success. None of them. He could give seminars. He could write a book. He could say, how to, how to, how to influence a city without even trying. <laughs> he is so good, and you would think he would be ecstatic at all of this. Because it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion. He had compassion and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And you would think 
Wow. I mean, you would just think any prophet of God to get that kind of success would just be thrilled. He's absolutely ecstatic. But he's not. Because he has something else to learn about God's grace. And you get into chapter 4 and you discover what it is. And this makes us even more com- uncomfortable. That God's grace is not reserved for good people. God's grace is not just reserved for good people. That God intends his grace for all people. And this is an aspect of grace that we find very uncomfortable. Because yes, we know no one deserves grace. Yes, it cannot be deserved, it cannot be earned, and we are so grateful for that. We love that aspect of God's grace. But we also, in the back of our mind, have this priority about who is more acceptable to God's grace. Don't you? I mean, we we love God's grace for ourselves, but some of these other people... Not so much. We know no one deserves God's grace, but we all believe there are some people who are a little less deserving than others. And the point of of God's grace and what what he's trying to get across to Jonah is this grace is not just for you, Jonah, and it's not just for the nation of Israel. This is for all people. And this is the part that he doesn't like. In fact, it says Jonah was greatly displeased. Remember last week we talked about the word that is used so often for God in this story. That God calls Jonah to go down to this great city of Nineveh. And then when he disobeys, God sends a great storm with a great wind. And then when he gets thrown overboard, God provides a great fish. The word for great, that God is up to something great here. That very same word great is the same word that's used here for Jonah. He is greatly displeased. He's not just a little bothered by this. He's not just a little perturbed. He is ticked off. He is angry. Because God is showing grace to somebody he doesn't think deserves it. Remember, Jonah, he doesn't just not like these people. He hates these people. Remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago. The Ninevites, this is the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians were enemies of Israel. The Assyrians, they were, they were, the Assyrian empire was brutal. They, they were the conquerors of the world at that time. Before the Greek empire. Before the Babylonians. The Assyrian and and. Their their great claim to fame was their brutality. They had mastered the art of skinning people alive. Death marches, all of these things. These were horrible, horrible people and terrible enemies of the nation of Israel. He doesn't like these people. He absolutely loathes them. He hates them. And God is showing grace to them. Now, let me ask you this morning. Here's a good question for us to ponder. Who do you hate that it would bother you if God showed them some grace. Because we love grace when it applies to us. But for everybody else, we want justice. How often have you, how often have you said things like, it's not fair. It's not fair that, that some people can lie, cheat, and steal and get away with it. That's not fair. It's not fair that people can live that kind of life and still come out ahead it's not fair it's not fair that she got a bigger piece of cake than i did we say all those kinds of things all the time i have never heard anybody say you know it's not fair i got a bigger piece of cake than somebody else because when it comes to other people we want fairness 
We want justice. We love grace for ourselves. We can embrace grace wholeheartedly when it applies to me. For somebody else, we want what's fair. And that's Jonah's dilemma here. See, that's why he's so wrong. That's why he's so angry. And Lamont, I love this. He said, you can tell you have made a God in your own image when it turns out he hates all the same people that you do. (laughs) I think that's a great quote. Let me ask you, who are the people, be honest, I'm not going to make you tell me, but just ask yourself, who are the people you hate? People that have done you wrong? Particular ethnicity? Getting a little too personal here? See, God's grace is for everyone. Everyone. Even the people you don't particularly like. And the reason that Jonah is so upset is because God is a God of grace. And here's the thing. We write off people so quickly either because of our displeasure with them or our anger towards them, or even we just say, well, that's a hopeless case. God could never reach them. The city of Nineveh was a hopeless case, filled with hopeless case people. And you never know what God's doing in somebody else's life. And you may think, well, it's a waste of time to even go there. It's a waste of breath to even mention anything. They're never going to be interested in church. They're never going to be interested in God. Why should I even bother? They might even make a little fun of me. So why would I want to do that? Because God's grace is for everybody. And what Jonah doesn't like is that very thing. In fact, this is what he says. This is his second prayer. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. It wasn't because he didn't like going across the desert. He'd rather take a boat trip. Okay? The real reason, the reason he was so uh, uh, willing to, to neglect Nineveh and go to Tarshish was this. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He said, God, I knew it. I knew it. What is he complaining about? He is complaining about the character of God, the very character of God that got him to this place. The only reason Jonah is alive today is because of the graciousness of God. And yet his complaint is, I knew it, God. You're a gracious, compassionate God. You keep giving people second chances. That's why I didn't even want to go because I knew you'd do this. I knew you'd forgive them. Why do you do that, God? This is the very same guy who just a chapter before was pleading, God, save me, God, save me, God, save me. I've wronged, I've sinned, I've done wrong. Oh, God, I need your forgiveness. Bless me, save me, take care of me, please protect me. And now he's saying, take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. Because you saved somebody else. I like it when you saved me, but now you're saving those other people. And this is the part of grace that we get uncomfortable with. We were talking about it in our staff meeting, actually, this morning as we were going through this book study together. And, and Pastor Larry said, he said, you know, that's the thing I find when I talk with people about the grace of God. People have the hardest time with I have the hardest time with this fact that God, I, I want grace for myself, but if God would be gracious to somebody who did me wrong, that's just not right. <laughs> if God would forgive somebody who's done that, oh, that's just not fair. 
It's the part of grace that we're really uncomfortable with because we really want other people to get what's coming to them. But see, God's grace isn't just for good people or pretty good people. It's for bad people like you (laughs) and me because we're all in desperate need of grace. And, And... he says, he says, so Lord, just take my life. Just kill me now. You know, George Costanza's dad. Take me now. Take me now. You know, just, I, I don't want to live anymore. Just take my life from me. And I got to tell you, it's a good thing I'm not God. Because I read this and I would just, if it were me, I would just say, okay, Jonah, just remember, you asked for this. Because <laughs> I'm more than willing to let you, I have had enough of your belly aching and complaining and your running. I've had enough of you, Period. You know, you're not even happy when you're successful. I don't know what to do for you. You're a hopeless case. Yeah, fine. But he doesn't. In fact, what God does is he just simply asks him this question. Have you any right to be angry? Doesn't argue with him. Doesn't say, no, 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 Jonah, you don't understand. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you're having trouble with this, but, but let me explain myself. He doesn't. He doesn't offer anything. He just asks him a simple question. Do you have any right to be angry? Why does this bother you so much? Which is a good question to ask ourselves. Do I have any right to be angry? If God would be gracious to somebody else, would I have any right to be upset by that? God just makes him... And and Jonah, instead of answering, what Jonah does is he gives God the silent treatment, which probably has a little Scandinavian blood in him. But I digress. Um... It says, Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's not going to answer God, but he's going to go stake his place out east of the city and just wait and see. Maybe God will change his mind after all. Maybe they finally will get what's coming to them. Maybe, maybe this whole repentance thing is just a big show and it's gonna, it'll, it'll, it'll peter out and it'll be done with and then God will really take care of him like he should have in the first place. Goes and makes himself, pitches himself a little shed out on the east of the city. Which, by the way, biblically, you, and you, you, you know, when you, in the creation story, um, when Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden, they're cast east of Eden. This, this idea, Israel's to the west of Nineveh. To the east, what the writer's telling us is, is he's putting himself in opposition to God, which is what you do when you complain about his grace, by the way. So he goes and he camps out on the east side of the city. But there's still something he's got to learn. He's given God the silent treatment, but God's not going to stop with him. And here's the lesson. And this is, this is the real, this is the sucker punch. God's grace that's received is grace that has to be extended. See, grace comes freely as a gift. It is unearned, it is undeserved, it is strictly the work of God and the redeeming work of Jesus Christ that gives us any standing with God whatsoever. But understand this, grace comes with a responsibility. Not a price tag, but a responsibility. You don't earn God's grace, but once you have been a recipient of God's grace, you have a responsibility, and the responsibility is that now you must extend that grace to other people. 
That's what comes with the gift because the gift of grace is not fully understood until you have to extend it to somebody else. And if you have the hardest time forgiving somebody who's done something to them, to you, just think what it took for Christ to forgive you for what you've done to him. He gave it all. And that is the responsibility. And this is the part of grace that doesn't, it just makes us really, really uncomfortable. Because to be a recipient of grace comes with it the responsibility to extend that grace. And since Jonah won't answer God's question, God gives him an object lesson. And this is where the story gets really, really good. Chapter 4, verse 6. Remember, God provided this fish, or God provided the storm, the great wind. God, God provided, we saw this last week, God provided, God appointed, God commanded. Okay, God's at work in all this. And so now God some, does something else. The Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. And same, great very happy. He was greatly happy. The same great anger that he had, that same word, he was greatly angry and disturbed. Now he is greatly happy. Why? Because he's got some shade for his bald head. (laughs) And he was very happy about the vine, but, because God's not done with him, but at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm. Worm, I got a mission for you. Which chewed the vine so that it withered. Don't get this picture, okay? Here's this grumpy old man who's sitting on the hillside looking over the city. It's a hot day, and God's caused this vine to grow up and give him some shade. And he's so happy because now he's comfortable, and now he's got shade, and now he can watch the destruction in peace, okay? Like in surround sound. And now God provides this worm and this vine that came up and gave him such wonderful shade now just starts to wither and fall apart and the leaves fall off and there's a stick left and it starts to droop and there's no shade but it gets better when the sun rose God provided a scorching east wind God's still working here a shirako very common in that part of the world and the the temperature can go up 10, 15, 20 degrees just in a matter of minutes just this hot blazing wind so now it's not only hot and and he's out of the shade now God's just beating him with it you know and and it's almost comical it's comical Um, God provided this each wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and it's almost like I mean I, I was thinking about it's almost like God is saying to Jonah what is it going to take to get through that thick skull of yours You like the shade? Okay, well, let's take that away. Maybe that'll do something. How about a little scorching heat? Not enough, not, not enough. Okay, let's send some wind too. What is it going to take to get through that thick skull of yours? Yeah, just, just, he's not giving up on him. Not giving up on him. And Jonah said, it would be better for me to die than to live. He is still complaining. He doesn't have his shade anymore, so he's back to the complaining. And here's the deal. Jonah thinks that this is all about him. And here's where he makes his mistake. And this is where we make our mistake. We think that grace is all about me. It's all about my salvation, my rescue, my relationship with God. So that, so that I could become, that I could become a better person. That me and my family will be going to heaven. That, that, that we, we, 
we think that the grace of God is all about me, and it's not. In the same way that this story is not a story about Jonah. This is a story about God. This is a story about the grace of God. Jonah is a bit player in this whole thing. But he represents every one of us because every one of us have run and every one of us to some degree or another. Our religion and our faith is all about us. God bless me. God protect me. God provide for me. God forgive me. God me, 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 me. Think of the prayers that we pray. We've missed the point. And Jonah gets asked this question. Actually, First, he makes it, God makes a statement. You have been concerned about this vine. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people. And many cattle as well. Now, why did he throw in the cattle? It's like, Jonah, if you won't care about the people since you like nature so much, think of the cows, okay? If you don't care about the people, at least care about the animals because they were repenting too. More than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left as many, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned with that great city? And this is the punch in the gut. Because this is the point of the whole story. Jonah, you are concerned about all the wrong stuff. You are concerned about all the wrong things. So here's the question I've got for you and for me, and I've been asking myself this question all week long. What are you concerned about? What are you concerned about? What makes you angry? What frustrates you? What gets you upset? What bothers you? Ken, what bothers you? You go to eat. Are you more concerned with the level of service you get from your waiter than you are about the waiter himself? That's usually what I'm concerned about. Are you more concerned about the level of performance of your coworker than you are about your coworker himself or herself? See, we get concerned about all the wrong things. So my question is, What are you concerned about? I'm concerned that the the AC isn't operating like it ought to and it's getting kind of warm and stuffy in this room. That concerns me. Concerns me. We didn't sing the song that I like this morning. We haven't sung that song in a month. That bothers me. How come we don't sing that song anymore? Concerns me that... that, um, that we have a good children's program so that my kids will be entertained for the hour that I'm in here. Concerns me that somebody cut me off in traffic and it wasn't a cop around to give them a ticket. See, what are the things, when I think about my day-to-day life, what are the things that concern me? I am concerned about all the wrong things. There was so much Jonah in me and I'm not proud of it. 
And, and here's the thing. I think the whole story comes down to this. This is God's heart. This is a story about God. And our concerns need to start matching God's concerns. Because he says, Jonah, you're concerned about your comfort. You're concerned about some shade. You're concerned because of vine that you didn't plant and you didn't water it, that grew up and gave you some shade and then died. You're concerned about that little thing. But there are 120,000 people. Over 120,000 people living in this city that you don't give a hoot about. This is a question I'm asking myself. This is a question I'm asking us as a church. Because if we're not concerned about the right things, let's not even bother. You see, you can become obedient to the personal moral will of God for your life and still not have God's heart. You can be concerned about becoming a good Christian and being a good churchgoer and still not be concerned about the things that God's concerned about in this world. Because what God's concerned about in this world is people. Evil people. Unkind, unfriendly people. So the question I just keep asking myself this week, what are you concerned about, Ken? And when I find myself getting frustrated or angry or ticked off about something, why am I concerned about that and not concerned about this and there's some people in this room who get it many people in this room who get it and 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 they get it to the point where they have made themselves uncomfortable for the sake of somebody else there are people who serve selflessly who give above and beyond their abilities who 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 serve not only in the church but out in our community who mentor at liberty high school who do the, who do all kinds of things because they are concerned they're becoming concerned about the things that concern god and here's the big deal this is that if you take nothing home take take this home please that until The concerns of God become my concerns to the point that I do something about it. I cannot call myself a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Because I can be concerned about a lot of things, but if I'm not concerned about the thing, because God's thing in this world is redeeming people who are lost. And if I'm not concerned about that, I'm not a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. So that's my challenge to you. It makes you a little uncomfortable. I'm doing it on purpose. (laughs) Because it's made me uncomfortable all week. What concerns you? What bothers you? What ticks you off? What frustrates you? What moves you? Because I think... I want to be the kind of person that is moved by the things that moves God's heart. I don't think I know. I want to be the kind of person that's concerned about the things God's concerned about. Who will give my time, my resources, my energies, however I can, to do something about it. And that is my prayer for our church. Would you join me, please, in prayer? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.